touch Hello, welcome to The Fat Lip, the podcast for fat people about fat people. I'm your fat host, Ash, and today I am changing it up and making an episode specifically for not fat people, which is something I don't think I've done before. As you can tell by our title today, I want to focus on a brief lesson in fat liberation specifically geared towards people who are not fat, but who date or partner with fat people. Because I get so many questions from thin people about basic fat lib stuff, and a lot of those are from people who date fat people, so I thought it might be helpful to do a dedicated episode about this. And to be honest, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people who are are attracted to fat people or prefer fat people have no understanding of what fat people actually face in our daily lives and who exhibit no interest in learning. So I'm going to tackle that a little bit today. And I know that a lot of people, a lot of times people who prefer fat people think that fat people's main struggle is seating. And seating is definitely important, but I want to dive a little deeper into this and how seating is only one aspect of accessibility and how accessibility is only one aspect of fat liberation. Um, And yeah, being mindful of whether or not a restaurant has sturdy armless chairs is an important part of dating a fat person. But I also want you to think about the bigger picture and about how you can advocate for change so that we can move toward a world that is more accessible and welcoming to fat people in general. And also some of this is going to apply to not fat friends of fat people also, but I think that there's a specific difference in what you need to know as a fat person's friend versus as a fat person's partner. So today I'm going to focus specifically on the partner stuff and maybe I'll do another of these for not fat friends of fat people down the road. So the first thing I want to say is that we are all carrying some degree of anti-fatness around with us, like even fat people even people who are attracted to fat people, because the first lesson of fat liberation is what anti-fatness actually is. Um, You may have heard people talk about fat phobia. I've definitely talked about fat phobia a lot. Uh, Historically, when we've talked about fat phobia in the fat lib community, we're talking about the belief that fatness is inferior to thinness and and the behaviors and systems that exist in our culture to reinforce that belief. Um, More recently, though, the community has sort of moved away from using the word fat phobia for this because fat phobia kind of infers that we're talking about a fear of fat people or a fatness. Um, And a phobia is like a legitimate psychological phenomenon, right, that causes an excessive and irrational fear reaction. And fear of fatness or becoming fat is absolutely part of the story, um, but it's not the whole thing by far. So. Now in the fat community and here on this podcast, you'll hear me making an effort to use the term anti-fatness instead. But it still means the same thing. Anti-fatness is the broad belief, conscious or unconscious, that fatness is inferior to thinness, as well as the behaviors and systems that exist in our culture to reinforce that belief, belief. And that second part is super, super important because... As you may not think you perceive fatness as inferior, we are all living in a culture that reinforces that belief and that constructs values around it. And so we'll get into that more as we go along. But like, 
because I can hear you from here as a person that prefers fat people or dates fat people. I can hear you saying, well, if I prefer fat people or I'm attracted to fat people, how can you suggest that I have a belief that fatness is inferior? And the true answer to this is that we all do. Like we've all been conditioned to believe that thinness is the ideal that we should all aspire to. And for some people, that conditioning took a lead role in their lives, and they actively despise fatness and fat people. But for others, though, um, including me, including you, anti-fatness is lurking in statements like, I like fat people as long as they're healthy, or I'm attracted to fat people as long as they're not too big, or even the fear that your fat partner is unhealthy or that you're glorifying unhealthy behaviors by being attracted to them. And I still get it. You're still protesting. Maybe you don't think you have any anti-fatness in you because you've never said these things. But we're going to talk about some things today, and I hope you start to root out the places where you're harboring an anti-fat belief or two, because finding these things and examining them helps you eradicate them from your life. And also from the outset, I want to express clearly that fat liberation is not about you, a not-fat person, but it does affect you. And we're going to talk about the ways that you know, dating a fat person, you're going to be affected by uh, anti-fatness and how fat liberation will benefit you. Because fat liberation aims to fight for equitable treatment for fat people, but thin people would also undoubtedly benefit from a cultural shift in our beliefs about fatness and fat people. It's ultimately about the freedom to exist in our bodies without judgment, and we could all use that. So there are some very clear and urgent ways that anti-fatness is dangerous to fat people. And the first and and most important is anti-fatness in healthcare. Maybe you've noticed that your fat partner doesn't trust doctors or they've had bad experiences with them in the past because there is very real documented bias towards fat people um, from healthcare providers. A 2014 study published in a medical journal called Obesity found that 67% of medical students exhibit overt bias against fat patients. Over half of respondents admitted that they found fat people lazy, unmotivated, non-compliant, and unhealthy. Doctors spend less time with fat people, consider us less cooperative, often ignore our health concerns, and many blame our size for all that ails us. What this means to you, a not-fat partner of a fat person, is that your partner's fear of doctors is real and valid. Most fat people have run into more than one doctor in their lives that has treated them like they are less than human. I certainly have. So if your partner has a health concern, simply suggesting that they go see a doctor isn't terribly helpful. We know that we face, we know what we face in those offices. What has helped me on occasion is taking my not fat husband with me when I see a doctor, because I find that health professionals are much less likely to treat me like shit if there's a not fat witness in the room. So if your partner really needs to see someone, offer to go with them. And when you get there, be ready to advocate if you need to. Um, well, you should ask your partner ahead of time if they'd like you to act as an advocate. If the, if the appointment goes off the rails, don't step in unless they've said that you should do that. Uh, but what does being an advocate look like in this case? A lot of times fat people find that doctors ignore their symptoms and focus only on their weight. So sometimes we'll say over and over why we're there. And a doctor keeps coming back to a suggested diet or a weight loss surgery. Again, you want to have a plan ahead of time. But if you notice that your partner's concerns are being ignored, calmly bring up their specific symptoms again. 
and ask the doctor to address those directly. Sometimes it takes persistence. And even still, some doctors will never come around. But like what you're doing there is using your voice as a not fat person to like acknowledge that the doctor is blatantly not listening to a fat person, you know. And the number one thing for you both to remember is that a doctor works for a patient. Like it is your doctor's job to listen to you and to treat you with care. And it's the same for a fat, pe- a fat person. And if your partner's doctor is continually ignoring them or continually prescribing weight loss, then your partner can fire them and find someone else. It can be very hard. And it's also, you know, dependent on your area and your health insurance situation. Um, but it is possible. Um, but it can be very difficult. What's most important to acknowledge here, though, is that healthcare can be incredibly traumatizing for a fat person. So your partner needs your patience and your understanding around their healthcare concerns. And at the very least, what we need you to be- do is believe us when we say that these things happen to us at doctor's offices. And related to this, it's important for you to know that everything you've heard about obesity Actually, let me insert a pretty important side note here. More and more fat people in Fatlib have started cons- to consider the word obesity a slur. And like that should be the end of it. If someone is telling you that a word you're using is harmful to them, you believe them. Um, and if you care about them, you stop using it. But for argument's sake, uh, let's break this down. People that defend the use of the word obese insist that it's just a neutral medical term. But the origin of the word obese is from the Latin obesis, which means that which has eaten itself fat, which is from the word obedir, which means to eat all over or to devour, which is clearly not based in medical science. It's clearly just a judgment of consumption. And it's not even accurate, as we'll talk about later, because by and large, fat people eat the same way that thin people do. Um, Further, though, many fat people are just tired of their bodies being pathologized by the general public. Like, we don't call thin people by their health diagnoses because it's rude and minimizing. Like, you don't, you would never call a person with cancer cancerous. Like, you would never refer to someone as an, a cancerous per- person. Like, can you even imagine doing that? Of course not. So, what I'm trying to say here is you, a not fat person, should never be using the words obese or obesity. There's just no need for it. I was actually going to say there's no need for it unless you were a fat person's doctor, but we don't need doctors to say it either. Like, just say fat, it's fine. Anyway, back to what I was saying before that obesity tangent. Um, What I was saying is, oh, that it's important for you to know that everything you've heard about obesity is, quote, and it's, quote, related conditions like diabetes and high blood pressure is probably incorrect. Um, Yes, it is true that being a higher weight is correlated with certain conditions and that diabetes and high blood pressure are among these. However, correlation is not causation, as we all learned in junior high science. There's also very little evidence that being fat even causes these conditions. In fact, there is considerable considerable evidence that weight stigma and fat shame are more harmful to our health than being fat itself is. And that medical discrimination towards fat people directly affects the health of fat people often because fat people avoid seeking care. Like so many fat people I know have had such bad experiences with doctors at best ignoring us and sometimes being openly cruel or 
deliberately withholding care that we have just avoided seeing doctors sometimes for years. So if you're fat and experiencing pain or illness, you may just endure it rather than subjecting yourself to medical mistreatment. And then sometimes that condition gets worse and worse. And by the time you absolutely have to seek care, it's a much bigger problem. So that's, that's just one way that weight stigma worsens health outcomes for fat people and why you may perceive fat people as less healthy. And it's important that you think critically here about what you truly believe. Like, even if you're attracted to fat people or you love a fat partner, you are probably still harboring some belief that being fat or fatter is unhealthy. And that's not me accusing you of anything. We all have these beliefs deep down because we've been conditioned to believe this stuff our whole lives. Like, here are some specific things I've heard from people who prefer fat people that exhibit anti-fatness. I like fat people, but there is such a thing as too fat. Or, I love every inch of my fat partner, but I'm concerned that their weight may affect their health. Or, I will find my fat partner sexy as long as they don't need a mobility scooter. Or even, I love my fat partner, but I'm afraid they'll die young. Like, these are real things that people say about their partners. And that's because of conditioned anti-fatness. And every one of these things exhibits anti-fatness. And there's also some like healthism and ableism thrown in there. A nice little discrimination cocktail. Because the reality is that none of us can control what might befall us. Like you wouldn't say, I love my thin partner, but I'm concerned that they might get cancer. Or I will find my thin partner sexy as long as they aren't disabled in a tragic accident. Like, of course you wouldn't. Because these things are tragic accidents, and of course a thin thin person can't control these. But our culture has convinced us that fat people do have the ability to control these things. Like, fat people are considered responsible for their health tragedies. Uh, Fat people who die are blamed for their death. As if we aren't all, regardless of body size, one tragic accident or unlucky fuck-up of internal body plumbing away from death every day. It's kind of fascinating, right, that For thin people, a sudden health event that is debilitating or deadly is considered tragic, but for fat people, it's the person's own fault. Wild. To be absolutely clear, none of us really has that much control over our body size, statistically. Thin people, for the most part, remain thin regardless of behavior, and fat people, for the most part, remain fat. That means that no matter what you eat or how much you exercise, most of us will remain close to the same size. Around 95% of attempts at sustained weight loss will fail. So even if fatness were a dire and immediate health threat, we are very unlikely to be able to change it. And in fact, dieting to lose weight and then regaining it, which is again very likely to be your outcome, is probably worse for your cardiovascular system than just remaining fat. So the moral here is that maybe your fears about your partner's health are based on misinformation and, if acted upon, could end up making them less healthy in the long run. So what about those of you, because I know you're out there and listening, who would like your partner to be even fatter? My message to you and to everyone, really, is to let your partner exist peacefully in their body. It is the one thing that only they own, and they get to make literally every decision about it. And what you prefer doesn't matter. It's not about you. And if it affects you that badly, then, like, you should be looking for a new partner. (laughs) Okay, so now that that's out of the way... There are other major places where your fat partner will face discrimination outside of healthcare. 
Uh, they are less likely to get hired. And when they, when they do have a job, they are generally paid less than not fat coworkers. They are less likely, less likely to be promoted or given raises in that job. Um, anti-fatness literally affects people's livelihoods. And, and housing discrimination against fat people is a real problem. Fat people also find that their size can affect their social status. Anti-fatness is pervasive, and some people legitimately don't want to socialize with fat people. As a person who is partnered with a fat person, this can affect your social status as well. Like, it is very likely that you have a friend or two in your social circle who is fat phobic, maybe family members as well. Perhaps you won't be invited to gatherings as often because your friends and families don't want your partner around, or maybe, you know, you'll find out your friends are gossiping about you and your partner. It's like very real things that happen. What's most important to know here is that if your partner's size is an issue for a friend or family member, that's their failing, not your fat partner's. And you should avoid putting your fat partner in a situation where this conflict is going to come up. If it becomes a problem, you need to handle it with your friend or family directly. Like never make your fat partner be the one who has to stand up to these people. And also be aware that sometimes you have to let people go. If you're not willing to consider that, then I'd just ask that you not date a fat person because no fat person wants to be the wedge between you and your parent or you and your best friend. If you can't handle this conflict yourself, then you shouldn't be dating a fat person. Okay, now let's move on to accessibility issues. First and foremost, I have to say that every fat person's needs are different. You should be having an ongoing conversation with your fat partner about their accessibility needs and how you can help with those. Some fat people experience very few issues fitting in chairs or walking long distances or upstairs. For others, this is a much bigger struggle, and if you can't assume what those struggles will be based on your partner's size. Many ability concerns are less visible than you think, so keep an open dialogue with your partner about this stuff. Speaking generally, though, you want to be paying attention to seating wherever you go, even if your partner isn't with you. Like, I can't tell you how lovely it is when a partner comes home and says, oh, I walked past this place today with really nice sturdy benches, and I think you'd be really comfortable there, because there are many places that a fat person can't go to because of seating. And so just knowing that your partner has their eye out and is thinking about your needs, like, makes you feel supported and cared for. And the other thing is to be flexible. Your partner knows what they're able to do and where they're able to go. So if you want to grab dinner out, like, just let them pick the spot. Like, they know where the seats are going to be comfortable for them. They know what's good. And they probably know where the best food is anyway. Uh, alternatively, alternatively, if they ask you to pick the spot, check the place out on Google. Look at the seating and see uh, what it looks like and then ask them if it'd be okay. Like, I promise you that they will appreciate it, even though you got to scroll through a lot of photos of people's meals to get to the seating photos. Ultimately, though, you need to know that there will be some places you love that your partner can't go. And sometimes this is something you can uh, deal with, something you can do something about. Like maybe the comic book shop you love has a gaming table with chairs that you know won't work for your partner. So it's totally worth talking to the owner or manager and just saying, hey, I love this place and I come here all the time and I'd like to bring my partner here, but the seating just doesn't work for them. And then ask them if they have another option or if they could look into a sturdier seating solution. Like that stuff can't hurt. And if it's a place that you go to anyway, a place that is used to seeing you, they're more likely to listen to you. 
And like, again, like this is all great stuff. And on a micro level, it is very good practice as a fart, <laughs> as a partner of a fat person to be aware of seating. But I also want you to think about seating as just a small part of the much larger issue of accessibility. And then think about how you can use your power as a not fat person to improve accessibility for fat people on the whole. Because like making sure your favorite comic shop has wider aisles and better seating helps your fat partner, but advocating for wider aisles and sturdy seating everywhere happens, helps all fat people. So like what I'm getting at here is that I want you to start noticing inaccessible public spaces all the time. Like even if you don't have a fat partner. And then I'd like you to you know, make a decision, like make a decision in your life that you, that you're going to focus on these things and do something about it. So like get a form letter together about the importance of sturdy armless seating. And when you go somewhere and notice that it's a problem, like take down the address or take down the email and send them a letter. Or like if you're in a store and you notice a problem, like flag down a man- manager and mention it to them. You're like, you're, you're only one person. I don't expect you to move mountains but if two people or three people or 25 people are doing this and sending letters and emails about a restaurant seating like maybe the owners are gonna notice and make a change you just have to start thinking about the ways that you can use your voice or your patronage to ask for accommodations for fat people and you can start with seating And then you can start using your voice to correct the people in your life that say blatantly shitty things about fat people. Like, even if all you can muster is, like, mom, that's very rude, or please don't say things like that around me anymore. Societal change for fat people has to start somewhere, and if you care about fat people or are attracted to fat people, it can start with you. Like, why not? And finally, I know that some of you who are listening to this exclusively prefer fat people sexually. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I also don't think there's anything wrong with fat fetishes as long as you're only acting upon them with consenting parties. Like some fat people do not consent to being fetish do not consent to being fetishized and they never will. And like that's something that you gotta deal with, something that you have to honor and like leave just leave those people alone. Um, but I'm here to tell you that the most ethical thing you can do as a person who is exclusively attracted to fat people or as a fat fetishist is to pay for your porn, like with real money, because the fat people who have made that content have consented to your consumption of it. And because they use that money to pay their bills. Like if you are a fat person who watches fat porn, like just pay for it. If you listen to this entire podcast enough that you care about fat liberation, I need you to care about it when you're sexually aroused too. The fat people in porn are still fat people who still face all the dis- the discrimination that other fat people do. They still have the same barriers to access, the same health discrimination, the same job discrimination. And if you're consuming their porn or their work, just pay for it. It's not even expensive. If you can pay Netflix $15 a month, then you can pay a fat person whose porn you enjoy $5 a month on OnlyFans. Just pay for your porn. I bet you didn't think that that's how this was going to end. Okay, that's all I have for you today. Thank you to Starcrusher for the music you heard on today's show. To hear more, go to cstarcrusher.bandcamp.com. Thank you, as always, to your Patreon patrons. The patron of the week is Jenny. Thank you so much, Jenny, for your support. If you would like to support the show for as little as $2 a month, go to patreon.com slash thefatlip to find out how. 
And don't forget to follow us on social media. All of those links can be found at the top of thefatlift.com. I'm most active on Instagram, and we have the infinite first of September coming up in just a few days. So now is a great time to follow so you don't miss that. Okay, that's all for me today. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.